0: You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today, and wherever you are listening, we hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody. Uh, great to have you at the Millsboro 1030 service. We just uh, came from Femic Island, full house this morning there. And uh, Rehoboth Campus is doing so well. We are one church in three locations and also online. We want to welcome our online family. Would you welcome our online family today? Thank you so much for joining us. People watch us from many different states, and we're so grateful that they're a part of this whole service. They get to be part of the worship, and uh, such a great uh, time of worship this morning. And I really, uh, really enjoyed that. And uh, good to see you, Karen. And I are on our way to Outer Banks after today. Actually, she's already there, and um, I go down this week. I may have ever been to Outer Banks on vacation. Great place to vacation. It's like Ocean City 50 years ago. So it's just great. So we love it, and uh, looking forward to going down there. And hopefully, have some good weather. Uh, we go in October because it's cheap. That's how we go. Anyhow, so so we're in a series called uh, Dual Connection, and we're talking about the book of First John, and uh, we're trying to understand what this book is about, and one of the big goals of Bayshore is to teach the Bible, sections of the Bible, so you can go home and read the Bible for yourself. That's so important. By the way, if you need a Bible, we have free Bibles over here that you can pick up every Sunday, or if you have a, a tablet, version is a great, great tool to use. Uh, all different translations, I read the version on my laptop, That's or, or my tablet, that's how I, wa- I have my devotions. And uh, so uh, that's, you can download it uh, from the App Store. It's a great, great tool. So uh, we're looking at First John, And I want to read uh, a little bit of uh, the first chapter and a little bit of the second chapter. uh, And then we'll dive in to sort of uh, recapture what this is about and how it works for us in our life. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us of all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, We make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us and then chapter 2 my dear children I write this to you that you will not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous one he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins but also for the sins of the whole world we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments Hoover says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm writing to you a new command command, its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother and sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves his, their brother or sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But if anyone hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness, they do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So, the book of 1 John is uh, written to a specific group of people in a specific time frame, uh, solving a specific problem. And uh, the, if you read the U version 1 John uh, introduction, if you study the NIV in the U interdu- in the version, the introductions are amazing. And it really summarizes what the book is about. The book is about this. It's about a group of people that felt like evil was in the flesh. All material things were evil. Everything that was made of material was evil. Therefore, how could Jesus take on a material body? And so they denied that Jesus had a real body that he was a figment of our imagination, that he was sort of a, a spirit figure and not really a human being. There is a, you know, there's a, a school of thought that some of the people that were in this heresy that believe that, well, maybe Jesus had a body, but he was just a regular person, the son of Joseph and Mary. And when he was baptized, the spirit of Christ came on him at his baptism And before he was crucified, the spirit of Christ left him because the true Christ could not be flesh and blood and could not experience crucifixion. So that's what what they believe. That's why John says later in the book, he says, "Um, Jesus is the one that's born of the water and of the blood, meaning that Jesus was really Jesus while he was being baptized. It wasn't a compartmentalized Jesus a body and then a spirit, but Jesus was uh, all one component. So the big issue is, is that many, many people in this little church or a group of churches were saying that Jesus could not have really been in the flesh. The Messiah could not have been in the flesh. And therefore, you know, the flesh is not really important. Jesus is a figment of our imagination. He was real, but he was a spirit person. So John is writing to solve that problem and correct that problem because Jesus did have a real body. Jesus did get tired. Jesus did get hungry. It says in the book of Matthew that after he had fasted for 40 days, he was hungry. I don't know if sometimes you're sitting in church and you hear somebody's stomach growl. Probably, you know, if I preach too long, you hear that. But Jesus' stomach growled. If he drank a big Pepsi, he would probably belch. <laughs> Jesus was real. He knew what was to feel stress. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat drops of blood. And he was under incredible stress. He trusted his father, but he felt everything that you feel. So the Hebrews develops this idea that Jesus was a perfect high priest, meaning that he could fully understand the human condition, but he did not sin. So that's the issue that John is writing to solve. Now, if Jesus, these people taught, if Jesus did not have a real flesh body and the Messiah, if the Messiah, Jesus, Jesus Christ, did not have a real flesh body, then the Greeks believed that the body was just insignificant, it was evil, it was, just a, it was a prison that our soul lived in. So therefore, it did not matter what you did in your body. What you did with your body was not significant because your body is just a prison you live in and all flesh and all materialism is evil. So they believed that it's okay to do whatever you want to in your body because your soul is independent of your body. That's why when John writes, if we say we have not sinned, we lie and know not the truth. And so this was the esoteric knowledge that these small group of people had, that they believed this, and so they pulled away from the church because these poor dumb bunnies that are left in the church believe that Jesus came in a real body, that he died on the cross, and he was physically raised from the dead. And so these people pulled away, and so this little church is all nervous about that. So here's the thing. If you're wrong about who Jesus is, it's easy to get a lot of other things wrong. If you uh, are wrong about the most important thing, it's easy to be wrong about a lot of other things. Now, I'm not a math guy. I mean, I'm a liberal arts major and I'm heavy right-brained and not really strong left brain in terms of math and science and all that. I study all that, but it's not my love. But I know this much about math. You've got one of those big equations you're doing fills the whole front of the first page and you flip it over and it does a fills the back of the page all these steps you have to go through if you get one thing wrong in the beginning of the equation it throws everything off through the rest of the equation and if you get wrong about jesus then you're going to really be wrong about a lot of things to use a more down-to-earth illustration I used to have a friend that was a uh, that was laid tile he was a tile uh, maker laid tile and he made a lot of money he was lived in a big house over in Bethany and uh, his company was to lay tile and uh, he just he did commercial jobs residential jobs and I don't know a lot about laying tile but I assume that if you get the first one crooked you put that first piece of tile in the corner and you get it crooked you don't get it straight then everything else after that is going to be messed up as well and they got wrong Jesus didn't come in the flesh so therefore it doesn't matter what I do in my body sin is not significant there's no such thing as sin if we say we have not sin John writes We lie and do not know the truth because sin is real. That we are capable in our bodies of sinning against a holy God. It does matter what you do in your body. The New Testament teaches that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. A few years ago, I was uh, watching TV, and you probably saw this, when Notre Dame caught on fire. And uh, it burned. It was uh, April 15th, I think, uh, 2019. Notre Dame in Paris, France, caught on fire. And it burned and destroyed all the roof. The spire on top of Notre Dame fell off. And for that year, they didn't have... uh, Christmas mass for the first time since the 1800s in this building. Millions of dollars came in to rebuild Notre Dame. But I remember watching the news, seeing French people on the streets of Paris weeping, weeping because Notre Dame was burning. And it was a sad thing. I love cathedrals. I love to go to cathedrals. I think they're beautiful. It is a sad thing. But you know that your body is more significant than Notre Dame? Notre Dame is a church where people go to worship and to sing songs and to do the Apostles' Creed. But your body is the temple of God. So what you do with your body matters and you are significant, your body is significant. Our culture says, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. It doesn't matter. Your body is whatever your body wants to do. Do what your body wants to do because you are the captain of your own fate. Do whatever you want to do in your body. But your body, according to 1 John, you can sin with your body. You can commit sexual immorality. You can take this gift that God has given you, this wonderful body, and you can destroy this body with drugs. You can destroy your liver with too much alcohol. Your body is a gift to you, and it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, Paul says to the Corinthians, you know, you shall not commit sexual immorality with your body because he who joins himself with a prostitute is one one with her in body. And Paul planted that church in Corinth. I've been to Corinth, and you go to Corinth, and there's an Acropolis, a big hill where the temple of Aphrodite used to be. That's a temple of love. And I'm walking around on the Acropolis, and this young Greek couple comes up to me and says, You know where the remains of Aphrodite is? And I said, I don't know. I'm looking for it myself, but it was up there somewhere. And every night, a thousand prostitutes came out of that temple. Down the hill, into the city, and copulated with the merchants and all the people there. And Paul planted a church in that city. And he writes to them, he says, it does matter what you do with your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What I do with my body does matter. My body is a sacred vessel that God lives in. And these people that John was writing to, says, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. What you do with your flesh doesn't matter. Whatever you wanna do, you can do whatever you want to do. But John writes, he says, he who walks in the darkness does not have fellowship with the Father, but he who walks in the light as he is in the light has fellowship with the Father and with one another. So when we're walking in the light, which is a euphemism for following the Lord in righteousness and walking in a right way and living in a moral way, living in a way that the scriptures dictate, then when I walk in the light as he is in the light, I have fellowship with the Father. But if I don't walk in the light as he is in the light, I don't have fellowship with the Father. I had a couple come to me once, and they're uh, bad, bad shape. They're depressed and miserable, sad, depressed. It was just awful. They came into office, and they profess to be Christians, professed to be followers of the Lord, and they come to you every once in a while, and obviously Easter and all that. And they're depressed, and they're not married. They've been living together for a decade and they said we're depressed we're miserable and we profess to be christians they they profess to know the lord raised in church both of them i said well you drove a long ways do you want me to tell you the truth i said i get people live together i what i'm not born under a rock I know people, everybody in our culture is living together. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's like, you know, don't, don't have to get married. And I get that in the world. I do, I'm not judging the world for that. I'm not judging them. I'm not pointing my fingers at anybody in the world. I expect that. But when you come under the lordship of Jesus and you make Jesus the lord of your life, then you're coming under his rulership and his reign. And he says that we are not to commit sexual immorality with our bodies. You say, Pastor Danny, what is sexual immorality? Well, it's it's a one word in the New Testament. It's called pornea. It's one word. Pornea is the word, and it's a big tent. And, And what is legitimate biblically, according to Hebrews 13, the marriage bed is to be kept undefiled. And what's under that big umbrella of pornia, sexual immorality, anything, anything that's not a man and woman married together in a covenant in relationship to each other for the rest of their life. A few weeks ago, I, I stood up here with a couple, a guy that comes to church here named doug and he found this gal on the internet and she knows the lord she used to go to rehoboth campus and and uh, they found each other and and we stood up here and we made vows and and uh, i said uh, hey for better for worse for rich or poor sickness health, this is this is the woman for your life the rest of your life the ring i hold the ring the ring is a circle that goes around there's no break in the circle no break in the circle, it's continuous. And sometimes you've been in a situation, there's people here today, you had no plans for your life to go south and somebody else messed up that covenant, and I'm not blaming you, it's not your fault. But when you look at the biblical view of how this is supposed to be, that if we walk in the darkness, that means if we decide we're going to live in a way contrary to God's word, we're walking in the darkness and we have no fellowship with the Father. Now, there's a difference between walking in the darkness and stumbling. I'm, I'll bet you if I ask you to raise your hand, which I wouldn't want to do, how many have ever stumbled? How many have ever, you've been walking in the light, serving the Lord, and then bam, you stumble. And you get up and you repent and you wipe yourself off and you say, Lord, I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me. And you keep walking in the light. 1 John is not about perfectionism. 1 John is about a group of people that said, Doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter what we do with our body, we can love Jesus, have a relationship with Jesus, we can know the Messiah, and we can still walk in darkness. And John says, if you sin and you say we have no sin, if you're doing things and you say it's not sin, you're a liar. He says you're a liar and you have no place in God's kingdom. Well, John, tell us what you really mean. This loving apostle known as the Apostle of Love, calls these people false prophets, calls them people that don't speak the truth. So I said to this couple, hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I, didn't, I don't make the rules. When I come to my life, I look at the Bible I'VE BEEN TO UNIVERSITIES, SECULAR UNIVERSITIES. I GOT THREE SECULAR UNIVERSITY DEGREES. I GO TO THE MOVIES. I WATCH TV. AND I KNOW WHAT EVERYBODY THINKS IS OKAY. IT DOESN'T MATTER WHAT YOU DO WITH YOUR BODY. BUT I'M HERE TO TELL YOU, IT DOES MATTER WHAT YOU DO WITH YOUR BODY. THE BOOK OF FIRST JOHN SAYS YOUR BODY IS THE TEMPLE OF THE HOLY SPIRIT. AND IF YOU WALK IN DARKNESS AND SAY YOU HAVE FELLOWSHIP WITH THE FATHER, You lie and do not know the truth. How many times has this happened to me? I'm sitting in a restaurant or somebody across the the booth from me. I always like to sit in a booth, and they say, I'm empty. I don't feel God. I feel like I'm on a planet all by myself. I'm miserable what's wrong with me and I listen to them and we talk and we try to tweak we try to figure it out and then it comes out that there's some dark thing that's been going on in their life for a long long time that they just keep doing they keep walking in the darkness and they feel disconnected from the Lord we can't have fellowship with the Lord We can't feel intimate with the Lord. We can't be close to the Lord if we walk in darkness. And the Lord has clearly defined in his word how we shall live and how we should operate sexually and how we shall operate in our relationship with each other. We can't hate each other. I can't carry hate in my heart toward another person. I can't carry it day after day after day injustice happens to me injustice happens to you and you have to say lord i'm going to forgive him i'm not going to go out to grotto's pizza with him but i'm going to forgive him karen and i are riding down to route 20 the other day we had to meet somebody at applebee's for lunch somebody in the church and uh, and you guys know where Route 20 is. You know where Concord is, a lot of you. I, I told this story over in Femico. and they have no idea where that is exactly. It's a whole different world for them. I said, there is another part of this county. It's over there, you know. <laughs> but right now, Route 20, we're going, and we're a little late, and she's going 35 miles an hour through Concord, and that little dip there in 20 is your, I'm like, honey, it feels like we're going in reverse. Would you hurry up? She pointed the sign and says 35 miles an hour. She said, how fast do you go when you go through? I said, 55. I always go 55 through here. <laughs> I didn't even know it was 35. I'm going too fast to see the signs. It's 35. It's not, my, it's not my rules. Jesus, you're Lord of my life, and you tell me how you want me to live so I can glorify you. And these people said, hey, get out of that. Go grow beyond that. Mature in your faith. Don't be hung up with that legalism. Don't be hung up with that Jesus is Lord and what you do in your body matters. Don't get hung up on that. There's a superior view of knowledge that you can enter into. And John says, this is is heresy. You can't have intimacy and fellowship with the Lord and walk in darkness you can stumble yes the Lord forgive you and and you get up and go on my my when I was in Bible College this guy uh, taught chapel he was a administrator at the school there and he uh, got named Bob Bishop and he talked to us he first chapel back from summer and he figured a lot of people messed up during the summer and uh, first chapel back in the fall he said listen Following Jesus is like driving down the road, and you cross the yellow line. You don't stay on the wrong side of the road. You pull it, and you get it back in the right side of the road, and you turn and get back, in the, and get back on track where you need to be. And he said, some of you got off track this summer. You need to get back on track, and that's a good teaching. But I had these people come to me and they say, you know, we're living, they're living in sin and just doing what they want to do. And, and uh, you know, I know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says, but, you know, everybody and all that, and, and, and they raising their hands, singing to Hillsong and all that, or singing to, you know, uh, elevation music, whatever. I, I'm glad you're singing. But there's a level of disconnect, a serious level of disconnect when you say, Lord, I know what you said, but I don't care, I'm going to do my own thing. It says, if you love, and Paul, John says this, if you are in the light, you will keep his commandments. When the kids were little, my boys, I don't know how old they were, nine, ten, missed, missed those years when my kids were little. I loved being a dad. I'm still a dad. I see the kids occasionally, you know, they come over Christmas and stuff. But anyhow, I, I loved being a dad. I loved it. had two boys, played football with them in the front yard, baseball in the backyard. And for Christmas one year, I got them a nice basketball goal. And uh, really for me, but I got it for them and uh, hid it in the shower. They found it a couple days before Christmas. I had the shower curtain pulled behind. I didn't think they'd ever find it there, but they found it. And so the day after Christmas, I'm setting up this basketball goal, and I got my pole digger. I got my concrete bags, I got the instructions out there, I got all the bolts laid out, and all day long I worked on that, and I dug the hole, mixed the cement, put the, the poles together and then stuck it, and then you poured cement in the poles to make it solid, and then after working six or eight hours putting that up and had to wait the next day to, to put the goal on, went inside, took a shower, and came to my Lazy Boy, got my remote, and turned the remote on. And there's nothing but just snowy screen. There's no channels on there. Karen says, do you suppose you uh, cut that cable when you were putting that basketball goal in? I said, do I look stupid? (laughs) I said, don't answer that. I don't want you to answer that. So I called the cable company. Anybody else out? No, nobody's out. I said, well, you need to send somebody out. I got a problem, something going on. Maybe it's probably the box or something. So a uh, guy comes out the next day. And he's got one of those little, it's almost like a, a metal detector, but it's, it follows the wire. So he starts at the road and he's following the cable. And there's a little green light that's blinking. And then he gets right to the pole and it turns red and it makes a real beep sound. He said, here's your problem right here. That's where I lost my connection. And when we proactively, consciously decide we're gonna walk in the darkness, we cannot have fellowship with him. It's incompatible with who he is. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If you are walking in the darkness and God is light, how can there be fellowship? I was thinking about how to illustrate this, and I have this, this is my guitar, my Martin guitar, I tell you about every once in a while. Love this guitar, finest guitar ever been made. And I have on my phone, I have a Fender app. And the Fender app enables me to tune Tune the guitar perfectly. So this morning I pulled it off the wall. It's in my uh, office at home. I pulled it off the wall and I opened up my Fender app and I plucked a string and the E, this is your E. I plucked the E and the Fender app showed that it was, it was, it was. the pitch was high, and it had to be brought down. And I tuned it down to where it all turned green and it locked in because now the string and the app that has the right tone are in harmony with each other. And this guitar is now in harmony with the app and the modes on the the app. And when we walk in the light, we are in harmony with our Father and we're in tune with our Father. And we sense his love, we sense his grace. And the guy that comes to me and he's got that deep, dark secret in his life and he said, i have been a Christian all these years and I've been doing this and, you know, serving and all that and I can't feel the Lord, the Lord's far away, the Lord is remote, the Lord is far from me. It makes me think of the prodigal son who said to his father, Hey, I'm going to leave. And he went to the far country. The far country. He left his father's farm. He made a decision to walk in a different direction away from his father, and he was in the far country by himself, and he lived riotous life, and he spent money on prostitutes, and he drank too much, and he, and he snorted cocaine, and he lived a crazy life. And the Bible says, and he came to be in one, and he was hungry. He was empty. Living in darkness will always lead to emptiness and hunger and dissatisfaction. If you're a philanderer and you seek out woman after woman after woman looking for the perfect woman, you'll never find the perfect woman to satisfy your soul because you weren't made to walk in darkness. You were made to walk in light with your Father. When I was uh, in high school, I worked for a grocery store, Super Thrift, over in, was in Seaford, not there anymore, it's uh, Planet Fitness now, I think, and my best friend, Sammy Fisher, he worked there the same time I did, and he uh, worked in the meat department, I was missing a few fingers, but he worked in the meat department. <laughs> I worked in stock and shells, I was a clerk, and also worked uh, in produce a little bit, which I love produce, and, and one night we cut, get off work, and we'd ridden to work together, and we come out to Sammy's dad's car. It's a big old, uh, big old Pontiac, Pontiac Mans or something, I mean, a gigantic Pontiac. And we get in the car and the car won't start. And he turns on, for some reason, turn on the windshield wipers because there was something on this, the, the windshield. And as he, all this stuff began to go off the windshield as we had windshield wipers on and somebody had poured dirt all over all over the, over the windshield. And as we walked around the car, we saw that the, the gas cap had been taken off. And they poured dirt into the gas can or the gas uh, container of Sammy's dad's car. And the car wouldn't start. The car wouldn't run. It was a real mess. It was vandalized. And the person that vandalized that, for whatever reason, poured dirt in the gas can, and the car wouldn't run anymore. And when we pour dirt into a body that's made to glorify God, we don't work. We don't work. You can't have the joy of the Lord and eating forbidden fruit at the same time. John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and we have fellowship with the Father. But if we walk in darkness... We do not have fellowship with the Father, and we do not have fellowship with each other. I was coming here this morning from Fenwick from Island and uh, taught this lesson at Fenwick Island. And I, I always go through Selbyville and go by cemetery road and come out across 113, come through Burnt Swamp, and I'm coming into Gumborough, close to Gumborough. And I can see ahead there's some roadkill on the road, and there's two bald eagles, two bald eagles that are devouring that roadkill. And, of course, as I got close, they they soared and took off. But standing on the side of the road was a buzzard looking at the bald eagles. He couldn't compete with that. And those bald eagles took off. You're not a buzzard. You're not a buzzard. You are made to soar in the heavens. God's created you to reflect His glory. God's created you to soar on the wings of an eagle. Isaiah says, They that wait upon the Lord. They that trust in the Lord, they that have a connection with the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord, their strength shall be renewed. They'll have vigor, they'll have strength, they'll have power, they'll have energy. And they'll mount up with wings like an eagle. If your spiritual strength is drained and your joy is gone, are you walking in darkness? But when I walk in the light as he is in the light, I have fellowship with the Father and his spirit dwells in me. That's why I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what's on TV. I don't care what the movies say about morality. I don't care what people say. You got a right to hate that person, how they treated you. I don't care what they say. When I come to the word, the word says that you must forgive You must abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain from it. Joseph in the Old Testament, he saw Potiphar's wife trying to seduce him and he ran out of the house. And he became a ruler because he ruled over his flesh. He became a ruler because... He didn't let Potiphar's Potiphar's wife seduce, seduce him, and he became everything he was meant to be. We can never become everything we're meant to be if we walk in the darkness. One last thing. We're getting ready to take communion. If you read the text of 1 John 5 through 10, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light... And WE CONFESS OUR SINS, HIS BLOOD WILL FORGIVE US OF OUR SINS. THE BLOOD OF JESUS DOES NOT WORK WHEN WE'RE WALKING IN DARKNESS. THE CONDITION FOR FORGIVENESS IS TO WALK IN THE LIGHT. SO IN OTHER WORDS, IF WE GO TO a CONFESSIONAL BOOTH EVERY SUNDAY AND EMPTY OUR SIN BUCKET, and fill it back up the next week and empty our sin bucket? We're not really fulfilling what the Scripture says, that if we repent of our sins, we walk in the light as he is in the light. If we confess our sins, the word confess there means to agree with. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Say it with me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Confess means to agree with. I say, Lord, I agree with you, what you say about sexual immorality, what you say about bitterness, what you say about hate, what you say about greed, what you say about envy, what you say about jealousy. I agree with what you say. And I'm not going to make excuses that I got mad because somebody said something. I'm not going to make excuses. I take full responsibility, Lord, for what I've done. And I agree that your word is true and I did wrong. And I'm going to quit doing that. And I ask you to help me never do that again. Every time I sin, every time I stumble, I say, Lord, I agree with you. Your word is true. You are right. I'm wrong. And I always say, Lord, help me never to do that again. Help me never to do that again. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. He who walks in the light as he is in the light has fellowship with the Father. Father, we're walking with you, following you, serving you, loving you, Lord. There's nobody like you, Lord. Lord, our lives are empty without you. First Peter says you delivered us from the empty way of life handed down from our forefathers. Now we repent of our sins. We get out of the darkness. We ask you to forgive us. And Lord, we turn to walk in the light. I want you to take the bread that's in your communion cup. Pull that off. And when you get it out, hold up the bread. Hold it up real high. Would you stand with me? You've been sitting a long time. Let's stand. Hold up the bread. As Jesus was held up on the cross... You hold the bread up. Now I want you to break that bread, break that piece of bread, break it in half. He was broken for our body, wounded for our transgressions, and by his stripes were healed. As one body now receiving the grace of God as we repent of our sins, would you receive this? Let's receive it together as the body of Christ. We've received this, Lord. Say this with me. Thank you, Lord, for, my, for your grace. Say this out loud. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Thank you for your grace. Now take the juice which represents the blood of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John verse, or chapter 2 that he was a propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? Propitiation means that he satisfied the justice of God. Gospel is not God loves you, you're going to be okay. The gospel is we sinned, and Jesus satisfied the propitiation. He took the judgment for our sin on the cross, and we needed him to do that. Lift up your hands, let's lift the juice up, which represents the blood of Jesus. Say this with me, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Receive the grace of the Lord. Let's take this together right now. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his grace as you repent of your sins. We receive the grace of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank
1: you again for listening. God bless you.